All right, well, let's get into the word. I, I want to, um, if you can, just turn to your Bibles to Psalms chapter 16, verse 8. Um, but before we get to that verse, you know, there's just, in my heart for a long time now, for a long time now, that was a great testimony, Cheryl. Thanks so much for that. That's a God's provision. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Cheryl actually volunteered in the office um, for, for how long? Three, two, three and a half? Two and a half years? For two and a half years, she did amazing things. And I remember on this journey with her about her home and all that kind of stuff. So God's really just been um, just a huge blessing to that. But um, for a long time, God has just birthed in my heart just a yearning for his presence. Amen? Just a yearning for his presence. I, um, my, my intention today is not to wow anybody or bring anything. I just, ooh, what I like to do this morning, and I want you to walk away with this is a hunger for God. Just a hunger for his presence. You know, there are so many things that leave us empty and that leave us with a void in our life, right? Everything, if it's not tainted with the presence of Jesus Christ, it is empty. It's kind of like eating a meal and it was really good, and then all of a sudden you're hungry like 30 minutes later, an hour later, right? That's what it's like with everything in life. But when we have the presence of Jesus in our lives, and we are central to that presence of Jesus, the Bible says that we are fulfilled. We are satisfied with his spirit and with his presence. And I'm saying all this to say this, that no matter what we do in our lives and no matter what we do in our journey of life, if it does not have the presence of God, we will end up empty inside of us. We'll be chasing shadows, if you will. Everything needs to be centralized to the presence of Jesus. Amen? See, I believe that God is doing something amazing in our area. Amen? He's doing something amazing. I mean, there's just been story after story like Cheryl's, but story after story of people being healed physically. People being set free from demon possession in our area. People, literally, you know, and these are the, all the things, you know, um, um, I grew up in this, so it's, 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 it's something that, that I, I'm, I'm accustomed to, but maybe you're not accustomed to it, and I understand that. Um, um, but this is the kind of stuff that the Bible talks about that should be happening. You know, the Bible says that in the last days, I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh. Upon all flesh, not little flesh. Not just certain select people flesh, but upon all people. Amen? Upon all people. That's what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And uh, there again, reiterated in the book of Acts that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And let me just tell you something. That is what's happening right now. That's what's happening right now in our culture, in our churches, across America, everything that used to be something that was satisfying has now turned, and if it does not have the presence of God, it doesn't satisfy anymore. Let me just tell you, I love when you come to hear a word. I love when you come to hear the message and, and, to, and to preach that and, and to hear the word. I love all those things, but we need to get to the place where we stop circling around the message and start circling around the presence of God. See, have you ever heard this before? Many people have said, we need to get back to the way that it was. 
We need to get back to the way that church was. Well, let me just bring it back a little bit further than maybe than what we we're expecting. See, the Israelites, they would follow the presence of God. They wouldn't follow the messenger. They would follow the presence of Jesus. Wherever the presence of God went, that's where they went. Do you see what I'm saying? Wherever the presence of Jesus went, that's where they went. They took steps, they moved, they walked, and they did not know where the presence was going to land. All they knew is we have to be around the presence of Jesus. They circulated around that presence. Now we fast forward to the New Testament in Acts chapter 2. Jesus now is absent from earth. And he tells 120 people, go wait for the promise of the Father. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit falls inside, inside this room. Anybody tracking with me? Right? The Holy Spirit falls in the room. As a matter of fact, the Bible puts it like this, that a wind came through. Let me rewind that. The Bible says like this, and suddenly, there's that suddenly word again. And suddenly, there was a wind that came in. And it wasn't just a light wind it was a violent wind, the Bible describes it. And tongues of fire appeared on people's heads. And they began to speak in tongues, the Bible says, as the Spirit enabled them. And that day, over 3,000 people came to know who Jesus Christ was in one shot. Because of the presence of Jesus. Not because of a message. Not because of a great Bible teacher. Not because of somebody who knew what they were talking about or knew what they're doing, who can run a great organization, who can run a 501c3 business. It doesn't matter any of those things. What matters is if we have the presence, we have everything. Amen? And I want to be a church that fully surrounds ourselves around the presence of Jesus. It says that in our mission, very easily, to host his presence. My prayer there's two things that I pray the most about my personal life and about this church. The first one is this. I ask God, God, help us to be a church that you're welcome in. Help us to be a place, help me to live a life where you can say, I am pleased. Yes. That I am pleased. That I can live there. That I can in camp there. I can set up shop in your home. I say, God, help me to be that person. I say, God, help this church to be the church where you're welcome. Yes. Not just for a visitation, but an inhabitation of his presence. There's a difference between visitation and inhabitation. Amen? A visitation is you come and visit, and then you leave. Inhabitation means you set up shop. You camp. You live. You're welcome. You're not an inconvenience. And I ask the Lord daily, God, help this church to be a church where you're welcome. Help this place be a place where you're welcome. I'm sorry for getting emotional, but this is my heart, guys. You gotta know that. The second prayer that I pray is that God, I don't care what you're doing in our area. I just want to be a part of it. I just want to say yes to what you have. I just, I just want to say yes to what you're doing. I just want to say yes because our yes is his invitation for more. When we say yes to him, 
When we say yes to his move, when we say yes to his spirit, we're simply saying, God, we invite you more. We invite you more. And I think sometimes we need to posture ourselves again to say yes. But sometimes we posture ourselves in the case of, in the sense of, God, it's a little inconvenient right now. I can't. It's a little, it's a little bit, um, we posture ourselves with, with Father, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. You're asking too much of me. God, we posture ourselves with, God, I don't, I, I'm not really quite for sure to make that kind of sacrifice. Let me tell you, if you want to live your life for Jesus, you have to surrender all. Everything that we are. We have to surrender to him, our heart, our thoughts, our minds, our intentions, our feet where they go, our mouths what they speak, our mind what it thinks, everything that we are. Jesus, we want you to be everything to us, everything to us. That's my prayer. That's my prayer that we have to be driven by his presence, amen. Psalms chapter 16, 8 says this, I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand and I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken. I love the good news translation. There's no such thing as the good news translation, only the King James. So I love you. Good news translation says this, I am always aware of the Lord's presence. He is near and nothing can shake me. Nothing can shake me. Hear me, folks. With all the things going on in our culture right now, with all the things going on in our world right now, if we keep our eyes off of Jesus, it can shake us. Amen. What's going to happen here with gas? What's going to happen with this? What's going to happen with this? All the confusion, all the questions, all the things that are going on. What's happening with the wars and the rumors of wars, if you will, in Israel right now? All these things, if we focus on all of that stuff and not realize the presence of Jesus that's present right now in the middle of our situation, we will lose focus and we will fail. But greater is he who's in me than he that is in this world. Come on, somebody. And we need to focus on the presence of Jesus. See, May 23rd, next week, not only will we have water baptisms, but we're going to have, we're going to celebrate and commemorate what we call Pentecost Sunday. It's where historians believe where the New Testament church actually started. It's its birthday, if you will, is on May the 23rd. And Pentecost Sunday was that day in the upper room where the 120 met and waited for the promise of the Spirit, the promise of the Father. <laughs> it's so interesting to me. I wonder how many other people went up there to the room and says, man, hey, it's, uh, it's, uh, I, got, I got stuff to do. Come on, Jesus, make it snappy. Where's this promise at? Come on now, Lord, you know I got a timetable. The sundial is turning, <laughs> whatever they did back in those days, right? Come on. Come on, Lord, hurry up. See, I wonder how people actually left before the promise actually happened. I'm here to tell you right now that as the time winds down here on earth, do not grow patient in well-doing, but continue to move forward. Continue to move forward in his presence because on that day, hear me, I'm going to say this in a little bit, but on that day, the Holy Spirit came and the new church was birthed in power. It started that way, and guess what, folks? It's going to end that way. No, I, don't think you, I don't think you heard me. I don't think you heard me, right? 
We don't want to sit around and talk about how and theorize what this is and this is, but without action. See, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, that the Spirit of God is not about talk, but it's about power. The kingdom of God is not about talk, but it's about power. We started with power, and guess what, folks? We're going to end with power. We're going to see the signs, wonders, and miracles. Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Keep moving forward. See, next week we're going to talk about Pentecost Sunday and what Pentecost means and, yup, what it means to speak in tongues. <gasps> Such a bad phrase, the old speaking tongues. Listen, I just want you to know that we are an Assembly of God church. But we're an Assembly of God church who actually believes in speaking in tongues and the Holy Spirit. Never shy away from that. Now, let me, just, let me dispel a few rumors that are out there, okay, about possibly our movement, that you have to speak in tongues in order to come to church here. That's false. Is that, on, I just wanna make sure that's online. We're good? Okay, that's false, everybody. You don't have to do that in order to come here. You don't have to do that in order to be a member. You don't have to do that to attend church. Oh, and by the way, the other one is you don't have to do that to be saved. But why wouldn't you? That's the question. Now, I promise you next week, we're not going to line you up and grab your tongues and make you speak in tongues. <laughs> Although that would be kind of cool, right? All right, better just going to pray right now. Okay, everyone stick out your tongue since, uh, <laughs> since COVID's done. We're just going to go ahead and... Uh, <laughs> it's not how it works, okay, everyone? <laughs> It'd be entertaining for me, okay? But that's not how that happens. But we're not gonna shy away from it because we can't, maybe some don't understand, so we're just not gonna say, no, no, listen. We are full gospel, Holy Spirit-filled, tongue-talking, church, man, that's who we are. And we're never gonna shy away from that. Why? Because we need the Holy Spirit present in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit. I digress. I'm going to talk about more about that next week. So please come next week. Okay. And we will provide an opportunity. If you would like to be filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit, we will provide that opportunity. Of course, you don't have to wait till then. You can do it right now. You see, there's no, huh, there's no limitation to the spirit of God. He gives without measure. Amen. The only measure is between our ears on what we choose to believe what we want to understand. God wants to blow away our own understanding. I don't know, that sounds scriptural to me, doesn't it? Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. Okay, so when we begin to lean on our own understanding, what we've done is we've become God and not him become God in our lives, right? Okay, I understand there's revelation, there's things we need to understand, there's things we need to get, I understand that. But sometimes, sometimes we need to just let God give us an experience with him. Trust me, everybody, hear what I have to say. I am a word Bible believing preacher, okay? We need the word of God. But do we realize that in the New Testament, they didn't have this thing called the New Testament. All they did was they live life and God did. That's the reason why we can read the New Testament. Amen. 
God cares about you so much that he wants to show himself to you in a very tangible and real way. So who is the Holy Spirit? Let's talk about this first and talk about who is the Holy Spirit. I'm going to take you through a little journey here in the word, okay? So who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit's a person, yeah? Guys tracking with me? All right, you guys got this? Here we go. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 through 17 says this. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. The Holy Spirit is a person. And there's ample evidence that not only is he a person, he's part of the Trinity. Okay? He's part of the Trinity. Okay? So not only is he a person, he is God. You guys guys with me? See, there's a lot of functions when it comes to Jesus, it's kind of like your fingers, okay? Each of them can do certain things, all right? When I play the guitar, I do this. I saw online that if you can't do that or something like that, there's something wrong with you, I don't know. But I do this, right? When I play the drums, I grab it like this and I hold my finger out like that. All these kinds of things have different functions, but when you close the fist, it's all one, okay? That's what it's like with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Different functions, different responsibilities, but one. Does that make sense? Okay. And this is the Holy Spirit. He is the third person of the Trinity, right? And he is expressively identified as God, especially when it comes to Matthew chapter 28 and 19. When Jesus is given the Great Commission, he says, now baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right. All together, one. All together, one. Not three separate, but one baptism into God. So the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is identified as God, as part of the Godhead Trinity. All right? The second thing is that you are filled with the Holy Spirit today if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If God has saved you, if you've committed your life to God, if you have given yourself to him in commitment to him, and God has done something in your life, you are then filled with the Holy Spirit. See, I firmly believe that you are not a human being having a spiritual experience, but you are a spiritual being having a human experience. You're not a human being having a spiritual experience. You're a spiritual being having a human experience. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 clearly states it this way. And he, super clear, Apostle Paul puts it like this. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. All of those who have made Jesus Lord and Savior have the spirit of God living inside of them. Amen? have the Spirit of God living inside of them. This is how we know. Let's say that you come here to church and Pastor Lupe just did this during worship and he says, does anybody want to know who Jesus is? Just raise your hand, right? And so, boom, you raise your hand, right? As a symbol of faith. Now, you pray the prayer, God, forgive me my sins. We call it the ABCs of Christianity. You admit that you're a sinner, you believe that he is Christ, and you confess that he is God. That he is the son of God, okay? Simple, you don't need to know the these and thous. Praise God, we don't have to be professional prayers in order to get Jesus, right? 
Praise God we don't have to know. All we need to know is that we need a savior, man. We need Jesus. All right, that's it. It's all we need to know. So we admit that we're a sinner. We believe that he is Christ, right? And we confess with his mouth, with our mouths, that he is Lord. Boom, God does something inside of you. He replaces, he actually puts to death the old man, the old spirit inside of you and replaces you with his Holy Spirit. The new man is what the Bible calls it. The new spirit inside of you. You guys tracking with me? Okay, he replaces that in you. So you walk out the doors of the church, right? And then you attempt to do something that your own nature and your own man was used to doing. And all of a sudden you feel something. You go, hmm, something's not right. This doesn't feel good. This, uh, I don't know what this is. Well, let me just tell you, it's the, con- it's, it's, it's the friction between the old man and now the new spirit, because now you have a new spirit living inside of you, right? When you come to Jesus and you admit that you're a sinner, you believe in your heart that he is Lord and you confess with your mouth that he is Jesus, right? He is Lord. He's the savior of your life. When you do that, all of a sudden God puts that inside of you. Now you're alive. When before you were dead, now you become alive. This is the gospel. This is 101 gospel. It's not about just punching your ticket to heaven. No, you were once dead. Now you're alive in Christ. That's the gospel. And that's the good news of Jesus Christ. So now you're living your life and all of a sudden, what used to be normal is not normal anymore. What used to be okay is not okay anymore. But this is where the battle is at. Because now you have the opportunity to choose between the Holy Spirit in your life, the new man, or to take on the old grave clothes again and put them right back on you. You see what I'm saying? See, they don't call the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit for nothing. He is holy He's holy, so anything that contradicts holiness, you go, ooh, ew. (laughs) Something's not right. And you come to Jesus and you go, man, God, I I know that wasn't right. You just forgive me? He goes, absolutely. I love you. We're together in this thing. We're walking together on this thing. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The only way that there's condemnation is when the enemy comes and condemns you about something that you've done. But if you're in Christ, there's no condemnation because you're in a walk with him. And Jesus doesn't look down at you and go, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, I can't believe you did that. He doesn't shame you. He doesn't put you down. He lifts you up. He extends his arms of grace right to you. He says, come on, one more try. One more try. Let's go one more time. Amen? That's a good word, Pastor Jake. Thanks. Appreciate it. See, the other part of that equation is true. See, when you have the Holy Spirit in you, it also confirms direction. It confirms what to do. It confirms where you're going and what's happening in your life. It confirms you actually align with the will of God in your life when we listen to the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
having the Spirit in you is not the same as being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Again, we'll talk about more of that next week. It is a separate experience. Jesus goes to the water and is baptized by John. John says, man, listen, I can't even untie your shoelaces. Jesus says, no, John, you have to to fulfill scripture. John goes, well, come on in where the water's warm, Jesus. <laughs> he gets in there, baptizes Jesus, comes out of the water. And the Bible says this, that the heavens opened wide. In the book of Isaiah, it's called rend the heavens and come down. It's the same phrase. The heavens opened wide and a voice came out saying, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. But something very significant happened on that day. The Bible describes it as there's a dove. And in, in, in the book of John, he describes it so well. He says, a dove came and remained on Jesus's shoulder. I believe that day that Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit to do ministry. Amen. The fulfillment of scripture had to come to be. See, and you and I, we have this amazing privilege to host his presence in this church and in our lives. And the Holy Spirit is in me for my sake. But he's upon me for yours. The Holy Spirit is in me for my sake. But I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit for you. And you can be and walk in confidence of that. When we encounter situations like the demon possessed, when we encounter situations like the healing, when we encounter situations like those, the Holy Spirit's upon me to take care of those things. Why? Because God didn't die for us just to try to be a good person. He died for us to walk in power. No, I don't think you heard me. He died on the cross for us, not just to be a good person, hear me out, but he died for us to advance the kingdom of God in power. In power. And how do we do that? By being baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's how. Here's a few functions of the Holy Spirit. Take notes as fast as you can. <laughs> the Holy Spirit empowers the believer. When Jesus' physical presence was gone, his people could become his body. Hear what, hear what that just said. When Jesus' presence is gone, now we become the body of Christ. We, we say it all the time, right? I'm just a part of that body over there. I'm just part of that body over there. No, listen, you are much, you're in a much bigger pool called the body of Christ. And why are we the body of Christ? Because we're here to reflect the image of Christ to everyone we come in contact with. That's why. We are the body of Christ. To be a reflection in an image of Jesus. You've heard this said before. Preach and use words if you have to. Okay? There's merit to that. We have to do that. Hear what I'm saying. We have to reflect Jesus, but the Bible also says that we have to preach and we have to share. We have to talk. The Bible says, how are people going to know if somebody doesn't say anything to them? Listen, both of those things need to marry each other, right? We got a bunch of silent Christians walking around. Right, going, well, I'm just living like Jesus. Listen, it's time to raise your voice. No, I don't, you, you didn't just hear what I just said. 
in this culture, while all the other voices are trying to take precedent, it's time for the church to raise its voice, to declare who Christ is here on this earth, to declare who Jesus is. How are they going to know if they don't hear? Bible says in John 14, 16, and I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. That he abide with you forever. That word helper there in the Greek is called paraclete, not parakeet. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Judy. I appreciate that. I laughed at it too, first service. I was like, that's funny. Um, paraclete, not parakeet, paraclete. And what that means, the Greek word for that, is someone who's called to be by your side. It means to be helper. It means to be a supporter. And it even means to be the comforter. So the Holy Spirit is here. One of the functions of the Holy Spirit is to be your helper, to be your comforter, to be by your side, to lead, to guide, to direct. That is a function of the Holy Spirit. Spirit-filled believers are empowered for greater service. They're energized for overall service with an emphasis on witnessing, sharing their faith. But they're not better than Christians who are not spirit-filled. Hear what I got to say about this. They're not, they're not better. Listen, I know a lot of tongue-talking Christians who are worse than any other people that I know. Out of one mouth, out of the same mouth comes gossip. Out of the same mouth comes this, and out of the same mouth comes tongues. Listen to me. It does not exist. I didn't say it. Your Bible said it. How can one person say this and hate someone else? It doesn't match. Okay. Either you got it or you don't. I'm sorry to say that. It's black and white. I'm not really sorry to say that, okay? But it is black and white. That's just how it is. I understand you have issues. I understand you have problems. I got them too, right? That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need a Savior. But if we claim to be so spirit-filled, but yet our lives doesn't show it, then we need to repent. We need to repent. See, being filled with the Spirit is not about comparison with other believers. That's pride. It's about being all one can be with, the, with all of the spiritual resources available, being active in one's life. That's what it means to be empowered to witness. The Holy Spirit helps us defeat problems that we cannot overcome in our own strength. Amen? I read the story the other day about the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. And let me just encourage you in something. You know, this weekend we're, we're hosting um, um, Teen Challenge graduation right here at the church. Super cool. This will be our second one hosting it here. All right? And if you don't know what Teen Challenge is, it's actually called Adult Teen Challenge, okay? But if you don't know what that is, it's, it's, it's for this uh, chapter in lacrosse. Um, it's just a women's facility. People get saved, delivered. They go through a program, a treatment program. They come out of that knowing Jesus, number one, that's important. Okay? And they come out set free from their addictions. You know, and when you hear these stories of people who have just been, you know, just addicted, I mean, just addicted to drugs, alcohol, what, you, you name it, maybe, maybe you don't quite resonate with that. You know, maybe that doesn't really just, just match up for you. Maybe, maybe that you just don't have that there. But let me tell you, God is in the business of transforming your life even in the littlest things. Even in the littlest things. From thoughts, from, from thoughts in our lives, from attentions. I, I, I'm not going to tell you who this was, but just over the last week, um, uh, I heard of a, 
a dream that happened. I'm going to just give you the snapshot where three trees came out of this person's mouth, right? Three trees came out of the person's mouth <laughs> and they took root in the ground. And Jesus showed up and says, do you want those three trees to be gone? You want those roots in your life to be gone? And the person responded, yeah. Then Jesus touched this person's chest in his dream. Boom. And it was like the way they described it was going on a roller coaster. You know that feeling you get riding when you're up there? Then you drop. It was like that. My heart, he said, uh, they said, my heart dropped. Boom. And I woke up and I cried because I knew that Jesus had set me free from lies, temptations, and ideas about myself. Powerful. Powerful. God cares about the details in your life. So this story that I read the other day says this. My father had smoked since he was a young child. Through the years, he tried numerous times to quit. And when always eventually we went back to the old habit until, son, until something happened. Late one Sunday night when I was in college, dad called to tell me he'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit and he never smoked again. See, it was the Holy Spirit's power that overcame the enemy that he couldn't beat on his own. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. John chapter 16, 8. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. I'm a revival buff. I love old revivals. I love reading the history of those things. And there's an old revivalist by the name of Brownlow North. And he said, repentant tears are the waters upon which the Spirit of God moves. Isn't that a great saying? Yes. Repentant tears are the waters upon which the Spirit of God moves. The Spirit also helps us pray. It's another function of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit helps us pray. I'll probably put these online, okay? Everybody so you know what they are, so you can read them and study them on your own. The Spirit helps us pray. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 27. Now, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings. Another version puts it like this, wordless groanings, too deep for words, verse 27. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You ever been in those moments before where you just don't know what to pray for? There's just confusion. There's chaos in your mind. There's things happening in your home. There's things happening with your kids and you just don't know what to do. You've come to the bottom of your barrel. You've come to the, 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 the wit's end, whatever you would fill in the phrase, right? You're there and you just don't know what to do. This is where the spirit of God intercedes for us with things we don't know what to pray for. And that's why I encourage every believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be baptized because you, when you don't know what to pray for, when English can't cut it, guess what? We get to pray. And the Spirit of God intercedes for us. Now, it's a mystery. I understand that. And we don't have time to go into all of it. Okay, it is a mystery. But be okay with the mystery. Because sometimes God just wants us to camp in the things that we don't know. So that way we don't lean on our own understanding, but acknowledge him in everything that we do. Amen? Amen. The Holy Spirit, another function of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit reveals and glorifies Jesus. If you can play some soft music back there. Thanks, Cassie. The Holy Spirit reveals and glorifies Jesus. The best verse to illustrate this is this. Acts chapter 4, verses 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John... 
Now, we have, let me just give you a little history here. Peter and John just had the experience in Acts chapter 2. Okay? You guys know, you, you remember we just talked about it? Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit came, boom, blasted them. Right? People walking by going, man, them people are drunk. Peter gets up and says, these people aren't drunk with wine, as you suppose. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. But here's what happened. They began to preach a message about the Holy Spirit and about Jesus saving power and his grace. These are the same people up in that upper room who just had this experience. And all they did was they were obedient to the word of the Lord that said, wait. So now when they saw the boldness, the people, this is what they're talking about, the people saw the boldness of Peter and John, and the people perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. They marveled. Let me just stop right there for a second. We want to see revival on the cross? We want to see revival in Alaska, Cooley region? Guess what? We need to be the people that other people can marvel at. We need to bring the marvelous Jesus back into our church. We need to bring the marvelous Jesus back into our homes, into our lives. Because the other part of this verse is where it all starts and where it all finishes. It says, untrained man, and they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Here's these guys, uneducated, don't know what they're doing. All they know how to do is be great fishermen. Something that I would want to hang out with. That's it. And here they are, doing marvelous things with Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the people all stopped and said, man, these people have been with Jesus because the same spirit they carried was the same spirit that Jesus carried when he was with them. And they go, I recognize this. I recognize this. This is Jesus. I know these guys have been with Jesus. I, I feel it. See, they don't even have to be believers. All they have to do is walk around and people will feel the presence of Jesus on your life. Charles Spurgeon, another great revivalist and pastor, says at the height of his ministry, Charles Spurgeon drew so many to his church that tickets were needed to get in. And not because of COVID, okay? One man had traveled a great distance only to find there was no more room. A sympathetic church member gave the traveler his ticket. After the meeting, the church member asked the person he gave the ticket to, what did you think of my pastor? The man replied, I didn't see your pastor. Well, that church member was somewhat disturbed. And the man said, though your pastor preached, I only saw Jesus. You see, this is the primary role of the Holy Spirit. Not to call attention to himself, but to glorify Jesus. The believer who seeks more of Jesus receives more of his Holy Spirit. We need his Holy Spirit, amen? We need the presence of Jesus. We need him. 
Not to be afraid. Not to be worried. Not to be so consumed about yourself. But to be consumed with his presence. Again, Romans chapter 8 says, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. None. If you're in Christ Jesus today, man, the Lord has saved you, Holy Spirit or not, you are set free. But what if we said yes to the Holy Spirit and he comes and he empowers us to do something outside of what we can do in our own strength? I'm not interested in persuading you. I'm not interested in trying to talk you in or out of something. What I'm interested in is if this message is anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's all I give a rip about. Because if it's not, back to the prayer closet. We need Jesus, amen. We need his spirit. We need his presence. We need him. Let's pray. Two questions I'm going to ask here today. First question is this. is something that Pastor Lupe asked before. If you're here this morning and you don't know who Jesus Christ is and you want to know who he is personally, you want to do the ABCs of salvation, admit that you're a sinner, believe that he is Jesus, confess with your mouth that he is Lord. If that's you, just raise your hand real quick and say, that's me, Pastor. Good. There's one. Anybody else that says, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me, man. Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else that says, me, Pastor, pray for me. Hallelujah. One's good enough for me. If you're here this morning, you're saying, you know what, Pastor? I want to grow in awareness of his spirit. I just want to simply grow in it. I want to grow aware of his presence in my life. And that's you, just raise your hand real quick. Good, you just want to grow aware. I'm not asking you to do something outside of your comfort. I'm just asking you, do you want to grow aware of his presence? Hallelujah, hallelujah. So Father, you see these hands raised right now, Jesus. You see what they desire. And God, I just ask and I pray that Lord, you would create an awareness of your move, an awareness of your presence, an awareness of your spirit that we would be so keen to know where you are and to know what you're doing. Like the day you were baptized and the dove remained on your shoulder, that, Father, we would walk with you in mind. Help us to become aware of your spirit, Father. Help us to be empowered to do the good works of Christ. Lord, we honor you. We thank you. We bless you. Before we move, for the one person. I'm going to ask everyone here today if you would repeat this prayer after me. And if you're that one person, say this with your heart. Everyone together. Father, forgive me my sin. Come into my life. Make me brand new. Today, I commit everything that I am to you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me and giving me a hope and a future. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.